Welcome back, Cal listeners. This is Methodical Millions, episode 29. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Cal, we've been covering a lot of the Greeks, and you mentioned you wanted to cover Vega. What is Vega, and why is it important? Vega is the fourth of the Greeks that we're going to talk about, and Vega is the rate of change in the price of the option in relation to the implied volatility of the underlying asset that you're looking at. So basically how much the price of the option will change in every 1% move in the implied volatility of that stock. Can we go over what implied volatility means? Is there an easy way to explain it for people listening? Yes. The implied volatility is the expected range of movement for that stock in a certain period of time. So for example, let's say you're looking at two stocks that are both priced at $100. They could have different implied volatilities, meaning that one could have a rate of change that could go up or down $5 within a month's time, and one could go up or down within $2 in a month's time. So the one that moves $5 up or down has a higher implied volatility expectation into it. And because of that, the price of the options naturally for that underlying would actually be more expensive than the price of the options in the other stock. Because of the higher implied volatility, that increases the value of those options. Yeah. So is this volatility number something that is calculated on a best guess basis. So I guess we can talk about Tesla being super volatile in the last five years or so. Would Tesla almost always have a high IV versus maybe a bank stock? And is volatility essentially a guess at what the volatility will be up until expiry? Or is it that moment in time? How does volatility change? Or is there a measurement of past volatility? What can you tell us about that? That's all very good questions, John. Yes, the implied volatility is actually calculated based on options. So if you want to be more technical, the implied volatility changes based on the price movement of the options in the underlying stock. So it technically works the other way around. But to keep things simple, that's the understanding of Vega. Vega is not implied volatility. Let's just make that clear. Vega is the change of the price in the option compared to a 1% move of the implied volatility. So let's assume, like you said, looking at stock as volatile as Tesla and let's say a bank stock like Bank of America that's not very volatile in comparison, they might have different implied volatilities. But let's say at one point you see they both have a 50% implied volatility. That does not mean that they will have necessarily the same kind of move up or down because they fall into different price points and because of what we call the historical volatility. So if you look at something called historical volatility, it shows you how volatile that stock has been in the past. You can use that as an understanding along with what they call the IV rank. IV rank, which is implied volatility rank, will give you a baseline of knowing how volatile that stock is in comparison to its history, right? So IV rank has a range from zero to 100. 
historical volatility as well has ranged from zero to 100. And let's say the historical volatility for Tesla would be, for example, 70%. And for Bank of America is 20%. But the IV rank is 50% for both. So right now, when you look at it, the IV rank is 50% per Tesla, but the historical volatility is 70%. So for Tesla itself, the stock is actually less volatile than it usually is. Because on a historical basis, it has basically an average volatility of 70%. Whereas for Bank of America, who has a 20% historical volatility, but a 50% IV rank right now, is considered very volatile for what it is because now it's 30% higher than what actually is the norm for Bank of America. Yeah. Well, how do you measure historical volatility in terms of timescales? So, of course, one can imagine that the historical volatility could be a measure of the last 12 months. Is it a measure of the last six or maybe five years? Is there a way to dial in how far back we go for historical volatility, how is that portrayed? And can you actually choose between those measurements in terms of time? Yes, each of them in their own way have a way for use and could be used as a reference to something. So they actually kind of work together to understand volatility. That's at least the way I use it. But basically, when you look at implied volatility, let's say you're looking at a call option with a strike price that expires a month from now. And you look at the same strike price that expires one year from now. So they will actually have different implied volatility. When you look at the implied volatility for that option, it is calculated on an annual basis, even though it has a different rate, but it is annualized. And if you want to understand how implied volatility is calculated, it's basically the price of the stock times the normal volatility times the square root of the number of days divided by 365. So it's quite a mathematical equation. There is an equation behind it. You don't really need to know that because it's provided by your broker, but the rate of volatility would be different on a 30-day basis compared to a one-year basis. So something that's volatile on a 30-day would have an IV or implied volatility of, let's say, 40% could possibly have a lower implied volatility on something that's going to expire two years from now. Because you have so much more time, there's a more of an expected move that underlying can have. So it's not going to affect the price as much on the longer term options. So having said that, you have an understanding of what implied volatility is, and it differs based on the time frame that you're looking at. You have IV rank, that gives you an understanding of how volatile the stock is overall and historical volatility to give you an understanding of how it has been volatile in the past. And you can use the IV rank with the IV percentile to understand how volatile is the stock compared to what it used to be. Yeah, thanks for that. So a couple questions. You said something about normal volatility when you're calculating the implied volatility as a math equation, are those two distinct things? Is normal volatility a known number? There's no such thing called the normal volatility. I meant it as implied volatility. That's what it is. And you have something called IV rank. You have something called IV percentile, which is calculated differently than IV rank. And then you have historical volatility. But if you like to think of it, IV rank and historical volatility on one side, I like to use. 
and then you have implied volatility, which is what I meant by normal volatility. But there's no such thing called normal volatility. Sorry for the confusion, but that's actually what I meant. No worries. It's good to kind of ask, and I'm sure it's new for a lot of listeners, including myself. It's not something I study every day, but definitely cool to learn about. So I think you had said the IV is lower for leaps, I guess, relatively speaking to a weekly. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Not always the case, but that is correct. The reason for that is because you have more time. When you're talking leaps, you're talking options that expire one year or longer. So if you're looking at a weekly, let's say at a stock that's $100, if it moves $10 in a couple of days, that's considered very high implied volatility for that period because the expected move, which is the one standard deviation move, expected move is smaller. When you have one week till expiration, you won't expect the stock price to double, correct? It won't go from $100 to $200 in one week. That's not the expectation, at least. So you have an expected move of $1 to $2. So when it move $10, that's going to be a lot. So the implied volatility would be quite high. Now, if you look at that same move, there's effect on the leap. But the leap has, for example, let's say two years out until it expires. A $10 move is very much expected within this one standard deviation move of an option. So even though it will affect its implied volatility, it's not going to have as much of an effect on a leap as much as does on a weekly option. Having said that, the vega on the leap would be higher than the vega on the weekly option. So again, that can translate differently. So let's say a 1% move on the leap IV can maybe change the price of the leap $5, $10, but a 1% move on the weekly option could be maybe 50 cents or 20 cents. So even though implied volatility could have a bigger effect on a weekly, it doesn't necessarily have much of an effect on the price of the option. And that's assuming everything else is the same, which is theta, delta, and gamma. So assuming all of that remains the same, you still have that effect on vega from implied volatility. So for long-dated options, which are leaps, is vega the metric we should look at to know if a leap is expensive? So we spent a lot of time talking about weeklies and how they're risky, but they have opportunity. Similarly, would a leap be relatively expensive with a high vega or not? And if I wanted to be long biased a company and buy some calls that are leaps, what kind of vega value would I look for to know if it's a good deal or not? This is a subjective thing, but I think to really understand if your options are overpriced is actually the implied volatility will give you a better indicator of if the option price, regardless if it was a weekly, a monthly, a quarterly, or longer. So the reason is when you have high implied volatility, the extrinsic value, the time value, because the intrinsic value is fixed, right? It's the value of the option that's in the money. But we're looking at extrinsic value. That's what the vega is affecting. That gets inflated when implied volatility increases. So you could buy an option regardless of what the tenor would be. And as that implied volatility drops, the vega would have the effect on these options and hence would reduce the price of those options. 
And that's when, even though the option could be moving up as you expect it towards your direction, but because of the drop in implied volatility, could deflate the price enough that you could still be not profitable. So yes, long dated options would have a higher vega, higher than a weekly or a monthly, but that wouldn't be the only reason when to buy one, not to buy. That's when you need to look at the implied volatility of the options to understand if you're actually buying at a higher premium. The reason for that is when there's higher volatility for the option seller, there's more risk. So for them to try to absorb the risk or put a value on that risk, that's why the premiums increase. So that's the reason behind that. And the values drop, let's say looking at a bank stock that's not moving too much. So why would you pay a high premium on an option when the implied volatility is not high? So you would buy them for cheaper. And because there's less risk for the seller, they would be selling it for cheaper because they could understand the risk more. Yeah. So back to what you were saying about extrinsic value. So it looks like having time left to expiry. So theta is a measurable amount of extrinsic value. And now you're saying implied volatility is the second half of that extrinsic value. Is that right? There is essentially two components to know what extrinsic value looks like in an option. This is the way I like to see it. The extrinsic value of an option is the time value. How much that time value is worth is based on the time left and the implied volatility. Now, the change in implied volatility will affect the extrinsic value's price based on the vega. So how much the price movement of that extrinsic value goes up or down, you can then extract the implied volatility or understand the price of that option. So let's say you're paying a dollar a day for an option that expires 30 days out in terms of extrinsic value. If the volatility shoots up and you pay a dollar fifty a day, that price would go up from 30 bucks in extrinsic value to $45 in extrinsic value. It's still theta, but the value of the theta or the extrinsic value increased because there's more volatility. If that volatility drops, then it will reduce that extrinsic value by the vega amount for every 1% change in the volatility. So vega is a measure of implied volatility or the option sensitivity to it. So it's basically a forward-looking indicator. Is there some math to know what the relation will be in terms of if an option's out of the money or maybe close to at the money? How is Vega reacting to an option that gets out of the money to in the money? Is there any kind of rule of thumb or quick notes we can learn about that to understand how to read Vega that way? Or is it just totally different? What is actually related is the extrinsic value. The deeper the option gets in the money, the more intrinsic value and the less the extrinsic value has. It'll always have some extrinsic value, but the extrinsic value reduces as days go by and as it becomes deeper and deeper in the money. What happens is your delta increases. So the price change of the option increases as we talked about before. So there is more value in that option that's intrinsic than it is extrinsic the deeper you go in the money. So based on that, if you like to think of it as a ratio, the ratio of the price of the option, less of it becomes extrinsic than it is intrinsic. Yeah. I'm going to use an analogy here. So everyone get an empty glass at home and start to fill it with water. 
as this glass starts to fill from 20% to 50 to 80 to 90%, that water is essentially the intrinsic value. There's substance there. So as you cross the more deep in the money, the option is actually worth something. You can drink that glass of water. It's valuable. But if you take that glass of water and it's empty in the desert, it's worth nothing. It's basically an out-of-the-money weekly option. Is that right, Cal? Not a bad way to look at it, yes. The extrinsic value would be the air, and the intrinsic value would be the water. So the more you fill the cup with water, the volume of the cup doesn't change, but what's in the cup changes. So more of it becomes water and less of it becomes air. And that's how you look at it, really. We're going to start the glass half empty, half full debate with this analogy. But just to kind of wrap my head around it, intrinsic value makes sense. The options were something. You can trade it for shares. But extrinsic value is based on time. So that's a known quantity as well. We talked about that. But I still want to better understand Vega. So how is it exactly a measure of implied volatility? And is there a rule of thumb in terms of one specific option contract with one underlying one strike? How do you know if implied volatility is high or not relative to that exact contract you've been watching? The simple way to look at it is actually, if you're looking at, let's say, a one month out call option and the price, assuming everything stays the same, so theta remains the same, so you're looking at the same day, delta remains the same, and gamma remains the same. If that price, theoretically, goes up, that means the price of the option increased by vega. So implied volatility is actually derived from vega. It's derived from the options price, to be specific. So that's actually how you understand implied volatility. The change in the option price technically is what changes the implied volatility, that option itself, as opposed to the other way around. But for some people, it's easier to look at the implied volatility on the outside because everything is provided to you by our broker. Some might not understand which one comes from which. But because it's really supply and demand as well. So if people are willing to suddenly pay more for that option, so in a single day, all of a sudden, that specific call option, theta hasn't changed, delta is the same because it hasn't moved, and gamma hasn't changed. And all of a sudden, someone comes in and buys a huge amount of those call options, the price will go up because there's a high demand for this option that will increase by a certain amount. And that amount based on the vega that you have on that option is what's going to change the implied volatility for that option. That makes a lot more sense. So the IV can go up just by a booming market on that contract of buyers and sellers storming in to bid up that price. That's a clear way of putting it. So if we wrap this whole options theme up, do you remember when SoftBank was buying a lot of calls and I'm talking hundreds of millions of dollars in April that apparently had an effect on the underlying price of all these stocks. Is that true? I read something where market makers would have to hedge against those calls. Can you just flood a market with hundreds of millions of dollars in call options to affect the IV? And can you actually then have an effect on the underlying price in the short term? So the SoftBank situation, the understanding behind it is... SoftBank came in with billions of dollars worth in buying call options for certain equities. And what happens is when you come with that much money to buy and you're buying call options with that much volume, 
the ones who are going to be on the other end of the contract, the seller of those options would have to be market makers. So big institutions, big banks, they would sell you those call options. So if the underlying keeps going up, what happens is that it would put those banks and institutions and market makers at big risk. So what they would do is they would actually go and try to hedge that position by buying stock for those calls. So that way they are protected in the event the underlying keeps going higher, their call options be losing money, their stock position would be making money in that sense. So they would be buying more stocks as those call options are being bought. They would sell the call options to SoftBank, and then they would go out in the market and buy more of the stock of the calls they've sold. Or at least that's the understanding behind what's actually happening, right? So that's a natural way to think of what actually happened. And that's what could possibly have driven and fueled the big rally, specifically some of the tech companies that we've seen lately. But yes, you could move the market higher for your advantage. But with such big volume, it's not going to be easy to offload all of that. You can't just dump it in the market. It's not possible. And even if it is, it's actually going to completely crash. So you can't just put a normal retail trade and try to place an order to limit sell 10 options or 100 option contracts. It's way too big a position. So I don't know what SoftBank ended up doing with these calls. If they still have them, they offloaded some. I have no idea. But that did fuel the rally. On top of all the other institutional traders or other retail traders and the whole market fueling up these companies. So it's just a big, big rally. I wouldn't say SoftBank single-handedly caused the rally, but I'm sure it had some effect in that rally. Yeah. I mean, from what I read, it sounds like they were at least a catalyst in that. And it's an interesting topic to think about, which is what actually affects the market in terms of price movement, whether it's short-term news or long-term investors being bullish. I think it'd be a cool topic to explore. Yeah. So thanks for that, Cal. It's been a good series on options. I've learned quite a bit and a lot more to go. But of course, every day, if you're not learning, you're not doing it right. That's right. So I think we'll wrap that up in terms of covering Vega and implied volatility. Definitely keep studying. We'd love to hear from you about what you learn and what you come across, any cool theories or new ways of thinking about options. So definitely drop us a line. With that said, we'll wrap up today's episode. That was Methodical Millions, episode 29. If you'd like to follow future episodes, you can find us at methodicalmillions.com or info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback. Thanks, everyone.